Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. The first reading, which can be found on page 719, is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 35, verses 5 to 10. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow, and a highway will be there. It will be called the Way of Holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there nor will any ferocious beast get up on it. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. The second reading, which can be found on page 972, is from St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. When he came down from the mountainside, Large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Good morning, everyone. It's very good to see you here today. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Pete Scammon. I'll be at the back at the end. I'd love to say hello to you, so do come and uh, make yourself known to me, and um, you also find helpful this morning to have the hand uh, that uh, reading from Matthew chapter 8. It's page 972 in the uh, Pew Bibles. There's also a, a handout on this blue piece of paper, which will be uh, in your um, bundle of paper that you receive on the way in. It gives you a little overview of where we're going in the next few moments, which you may also find helpful to have. But let me pray for us as we look together again at God's word. Our Father in heaven, we... Thank you again this morning for 
the astounding beauty of Jesus. And Father, I pray that you would lift up weary hearts, give courage to troubled minds, opened eyes that are blind. As we gaze on the beauty of Jesus, help us to be of great heart as we see the kind of king he is. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's the, the kind of response any politician would, would dream of having. Jesus has just been preaching the greatest sermon in the course of human history. And as they pack up the chairs and take down the bunting, the, the crowd is buzzing. We have never heard anyone speak like this, they say. And so verse 1, as Jesus heads down the mountainside, the, the crowds are, are pressing in around Jesus. The autograph hunters are queuing up. The paparazzi are swarming around him, taking pictures. Any A-list celebrity would, would long for such attention. But then through the, the buzz of excitement cuts the note of unease. A hush descends on the crowd. People stop talking over there, someone cries out. Over there, there's a warning. And the crowds part. And in an instant, the greatest preacher in the course of human history comes face to face with a life marked by wretchedness and ruin. They say that talk is cheap unless it is backed up with actions. Our politicians have shown us that over the years. Jesus has just been teaching about the kingdom of the heavens. He claims to know where it is. He claims to know how to get into it, how to live according to it. He claims to know exactly all about the kingdom of the heavens. He says it's a place of peace and joy, free from sorrow and brokenness and heartache and death. But talk is cheap unless it is backed up by action. And as Jesus stands face to face with this wretched and ruined life, what does he have for people like this leper? All this talk of a glorious kingdom, well, it's all rubbish, it's all hollow words, all vain boasting, unless he can do something for people like this. Life is hard. We live in a broken world. Oh, there may be moments when we escape the brokenness, perhaps for a day or two on holiday, and we can push these things away from our consciousness and, and rest for a day or two, but very quickly they come back, come rushing in. There's the brokenness that we hear about in the world around us. A family go on a lifetime uh, holiday, once in a lifetime holiday, and uh, one morning they wake up and their daughter is just gone from her room, disappeared. Some people head off to go shopping in a Walmart. They don't come back. The uh, talk of Brexit and all the economic and social and political upheaval that we are facing is very unsettling. Lots of brokenness out there, but there's brokenness in here. I know looking out in the room today, so many of you are living with serious health issues, whether physical or mental. Others, through bereavement, that the pain just doesn't go away. 
others of us living with deep disappointment with how our lives are turning out. And talk is cheap unless it is backed up with action. Some here this morning will be new to Christian things, and it's brilliant to have you along with us this morning. I hope you feel very welcomed. But as you hear Jesus talking about the kingdom of the heavens and this place where there's no tears or brokenness or mourning or sadness, we like the sound of the kingdom of the heavens. But frankly, looking at the world today, it just feels so hollow. And of course, many Christians are not immune to such questions. Well, come and watch what the greatest preacher in the course of human history does when he comes face to face with a wretched and ruined life. First, a man living on the outside. Verse 1. When he came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I think it is almost impossible to overstate how devastating it would be to live with leprosy back in Jesus' day. Uh, The word itself refers to a number of different skin diseases, but none of them are good. Uh, Someone suffering with leprosy would develop layers of dead skin all across their body and their face. The skin would begin to rot on them. Their face would be disfigured. There would be a stench about them. The sufferer would experience great and chronic pain in their lives. And according to the Old Testament law, leprosy made a person unclean. And because they were unclean, they had to leave the community. And so, for example, speaking of a leper in Leviticus 13, verse 46, uh, we would read, he must live alone. He must live outside the camp. And that is a grim picture of life. Loneliness is one of our greatest fears. According to Age UK, 1.7 million people who are at older in age in this country will go up to, if not more than a month, between seeing a friend, any friend, in their lives. Old age can lead to dreadful loneliness in this country, but of course, we don't have to be older in life to experience loneliness. I was hearing about someone just last week who's a younger person who described the sensation of being surrounded by people day after day, but known by none of them in a crowd, but alone. And so come and feel the agony of a life sentenced to aloneness. But it gets worse. The camp that Leviticus talks about is not some holiday camp or a social network. No, this camp is the people of God. In the Old Testament, it was where the tabernacle, the tent of God, was placed in the center of the camp. And it was the one place on earth where God's presence came down and filled the tent where God could be found. And to be a person cast out of the tent because of uncleanness was to be a person cast out of access to God's presence, his promises and plans for the world. This is a man on the outside Outside of social structures, yes, but outside also of God's people and therefore outside of his presence, plans and promises for the world. 
and a man outside of the kingdom of the heavens. He's a man living also under the shadow of death. Leprosy itself could be fatal. It often wasn't. Not directly, but the wasting of the skin on your body would, would leave you looking like some zombie character from a cheap horror film as the kind of flaky skin covered your face. The living dead. And because in Jesus' day leprosy was incurable, the life of a leper was only ever heading in one direction, heading towards death. It was as if they were sentenced to a life living on death row. I guess 20 years ago, HIV AIDS to, to contract the virus would, would give us something of the sense of what it was like to have leprosy back in Jesus' day. It, it carried with it a certain social exclusion, and certainly um, for many, it reduced their lifespan significantly. But I think nowadays with modern medicine, that same perception is no longer quite as valid for many people who have HIV AIDS. Perhaps it is the C word, the phone call from the doctor with results and we just didn't catch it in time. It, it spread too far. And there's a bit of time, but, but not much. And so feel the hopelessness of this unclean leper living under the shadow of death, a man on the outside of the kingdom of the heavens. This man, this story is a personal story, but the underlying cause is a universal problem. The, the leper manifests a problem that every human faces. Ever since the third chapter of the Bible, Genesis 3, and ever since that first rebellion when humankind pushed God away, that rebellion that's been replicated and reproduced in every human heart since, humanity has been living on the outside of God's presence, plans, and promises outside of the kingdom of the heavens. I'm not saying that this leper experienced his leprosy because of a specific sin that he had committed. The Bible's very cautious about drawing such specific links between a sin and a particular illness. But in a general sense, the reason why this world is broken, the reason why there is sickness and sorrow and loneliness and isolation is because the human race as a whole lives outside last week during one of the uh, the cloud the cloud bursts i'm sorry one of the cloud bursts um i was uh, walking down the street and in case you were worried about my uh, dryness i found an umbrella in the lost and found property over in the church center and i stole it um, by the way if you have lost a red and white striped umbrella first of all thank you uh, for losing it i enjoyed it and secondly i think it's still there now uh, in lost and found so do check afterwards if you want to find your brolly but there I was in my brolly, trudging through the rain, and I noticed that um, as the rain flowed down the water, there were various grates um, that, that allowed water to flow down underground. But because there was so much water already underground, this time, during the cloudburst, water was coming out of the ground, and great fountains spraying out into the road everywhere. Turns out brollies don't help at that point. <laughs> and like that drain... Pain and suffering and brokenness have a habit of erupting out into the open. Over there, someone out of nowhere gets leprosy. 
over there, a healthy person gets the diagnosis. It's, it's cancer. Just erupting out of nowhere. And when these things happen, what we're seeing is that what's always been the case, but is often hidden beneath the ground, out of sight, this hidden reality erupting out into our world, that beneath what we can see is a world on the outside, spiritually outside of God's kingdom. And that brokenness, that isolation erupts into moments of visible sadness, as we see here in this leper. And for every one of us in this room, the Bible is very clear that we share in this brokenness. Even if our skin is more wholesome than this man, we share the same underlying problem that we cannot always see, but a time erupts for all to see. On our own, we live on the outside. Each one of us, on our own, unclean and living under the shadow of death. And as this leper looms in out of nowhere, so to speak, just bursts onto the stage, so in our lives, brokenness will burst out. We can't suppress it. And so what does this great preacher have for the leper and for all who live on the outside? Well, secondly, the king who draws near. Verse 3. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately he was cured of his leprosy. It would have been wonderful to watch all the layers of of dead skin, the, the disfiguration just melting away, the face once recognized, now visible again, the the smell lifting. The back straightening, the pain gone, just with a touch. Jesus didn't need to touch this man to heal him. Next week we'll see that he can heal someone from a great distance. The touch is not necessary, but it is glorious. Because our world is governed by some basic principles that we all know about. So water always flows downwards. A mug of hot tea left in a cold room always gets cold. And unclean things always make clean things unclean. So you walk the dog on a rainy day out in the mud and you bring her back into the house and you have a nice cream sofa and the muddy dog jumps onto the cream sofa. I can testify that not once in seven years has the cream sofa made the muddy dog clean. Well, a bit of mud's okay, but imagine being at Heathrow Airport tomorrow and a flight lands from the Democratic Republic of Congo where there's a, uh, currently a major outbreak of the Ebola virus again. And imagine standing at the um, arrivals lounge and you see someone coming off the flight and you see them shivering and sweating and, and staggering and clearly not well at all and um, starting to hallucinate And you see the medical officials spotting this and running over, realizing something's wrong. And and what happens then is you don't call a load of people who are healthy to gather around and hug the person. No, you rush them to a hospital and into the isolation ward because unclean people make clean people unclean. 
It is a principle that we know about in this world. But for once in the course of human history, water flows uphill. A clean person touches an unclean person, and the unclean person becomes clean, and the clean person stays clean. Because for once in the course of human history, one who is greater than uncleanliness has arrived on the course of human history. The ancient prophets longed for such a day. Our first reading from Isaiah, written 700 years before Jesus, talked about a day when sickness and brokenness would be done away with. The eyes of the blind would be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame would leap like a deer, the mute tongue shout for joy. There would be everlasting joy, sorrow and, seeing would, uh, sorrow and sighing would flee away. And here comes Jesus reversing the brokenness of this world, healing a leper. And later on in Matthew 11, John the Baptist will ask Jesus, are you that one that the prophets longed for, the, the Christ, the Messiah, who will do these wonderful things? And Jesus said to him, what do you think? What do you see? I'll tell you what you see. The blind see, the lame walk, the leper is cured, says Jesus. The deaf hear, the dead are raised. Yes, a thousand times yes. The days the prophets long for are now coming to fulfillment as the great king arrives on the stage, the one who is greater than every uncleanliness in this world. And one day when this king returns in all the fullness of his kingdom, what we see in preview now in Matthew 8 will become a reality for all those who trust him and are in his kingdom as all sickness and sorrow is banished from his kingdom. There is a view around in our world today that Jesus ruins life. That he spoils freedom, he cramps our style, he makes us less rather than more. People mock Jesus, they use his name as a swear word, and they take pity on those who trust in Jesus. But this, this view cannot be based on a careful investigation of the facts of history. Look at the compassion of Jesus. After preaching his great sermon, he could have walked down the mountain, stepped into a black limo, and been whisked away to the next preaching engagement, but he doesn't. He stops to, to meet this unclean leper, do you see the compassion of Jesus? He's, the leper says, if you're willing, Jesus says, I am willing. He is moved by the plight of those he sees. He has great power to make the unclean clean. He brings the social outcast in. And rather than being repulsed by sickness and disease, he draws near. He is concerned. Imagine the once leprous man, now healed, appearing on the news at 10 o'clock that night, being interviewed by one of the, uh, the news reporters. This man, Jesus, the reporter says, many people think that he has come to ruin lives. What do you think? The healed leper, I don't know, he would snort at the outrageous conclusion. Perhaps he would show his hands, once covered in decay, now whole and healed. Need he say any more? The king who draws near 
as in he comes into our world, but also the king who is able to draw people near, those on the outside, those unclean. Having healed the man, verse four, then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. The secrecy might seem odd, this wonderful miracle, why keep it under wraps? But I think Jesus is concerned that due process be followed at this point. Leviticus 14 lays out the correct procedure to establish the cleanliness of a recovered leper. And Jesus wants to ensure that correct legal process is followed in this moment. And I think he can imagine that if rumors started to spread around that the Messiah is here, the one who cleanses lepers, and word were to rush ahead of this man to the priests, it might skew their unbiased evaluation of this man. No, it must be done properly, and the law must be brought to bear, and this once unclean man must be declared legally clean. But notice, Jesus does want there to be a testimony offered. You can imagine the priests examining the once leprous man. Tell me, what happened? I was a leper. I met Jesus. He touched me. I was healed. That is a testimony to the king. Jesus hasn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And here a man, unable to keep the law himself unclean outside, has been brought in, made clean, now a law keeper because of Jesus. And if we were to keep reading through Matthew's gospel, we'll discover that he went to the greatest lengths to make law breakers into law keepers as those who have kept the law. The perfect man, Jesus, who always kept the law, died on a cross, giving his life in place of lawbreakers to make us as those who have always kept the law with his perfect life. Talk is cheap. Unless it is backed up by action. And because Jesus didn't just come to preach, but also he came to heal lepers, here are two big implications for us as we finish. Jesus can cleanse anyone. If this leper can be brought from the outside and be made a citizen of the heavens, anyone can. As we think about those around us, there are often people who we think are just too far on the outside to ever be brought in. The the friend who mocks us for trusting in Jesus, the other colleague who lives such an immoral life that's so hardened to the ways of God, they just seem too far gone. The person with a terrible secret, a life littered with failures and mistakes, but, but no one is too far gone. Jesus is incredible. He is good news. He has come to draw the outsider, the, the lowly, the downcast, that no hopers, he's come to find them and to draw them into his kingdom. And just as the leper was able to offer a testimony to the priest of how wonderful Jesus is, well, so we are called to offer accounts and testimonies to how wonderful Jesus has been in our lives, how he has taken us and cleansed us and healed us. 
We are called to testify to the world, to anyone who will listen. So I wonder this week if we were to pluck up the courage to tell one person, one friend, one colleague, one neighbor about Jesus, if we were to introduce them to this loving king who loves to reach out to unclean people, we'd be doing something wonderful. Not dangerous, but glorious in introducing people to a king like this. Jesus can cleanse anyone, but then only Jesus can cleanse. You can bet your bottom dollar that this leper had left no stone unturned in his quest to be clean. He would have scoured the internet. He would have read blogs and consulted with all kinds of people and notice no one in the crowd was able to make him clean. No diets, no spot treatments, no alternative therapies. Only Jesus. This morning we've seen a wonderful uh, picture of, of the cleansing found in Jesus with, with um, the baptism of, of Ada. How water washes us clean on the outside, so Jesus washes us clean on the inside. It's a great picture, but only Jesus can achieve that washing for us. And this morning, if we wouldn't call ourselves a committed Christian, there is an offer here. There's an offer to come in from the outside. You're welcome. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been, any secrets you have. Come. But you do need to come. This leper wasn't healed by staying back in the shadows. He came forward to Jesus. And in that moment, he discovered healing in life. And the call is there, the offer is there for anyone. But it's only Jesus who can heal you if you will come. For those of us who have been Christian for some time, we've probably heard the story of the slave trader, John Newton. He became a Christian, he stopped slave trading and later became a minister. And of course, he famously penned the words of the great hymn, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. They are wonderful words. The kind of words the leper of Matthew 8 would surely have sung on the way home after meeting Jesus. But I wonder if you know that John Newton penned the words of that hymn 17 years after he stopped being a slave trader and six years after he became an ordained minister in the Church of England. Throughout all those years, John Newton hadn't lost the urgent wonder that Jesus would rescue a person like him. And I have experienced in my own life that as the longer I'm a Christian, it is easier to forget how utterly amazing it is that God would, would, would rescue anyone like me. And this leper will help those of us who have been Christians for a while Because it's like he is a mirror. As we look at Matthew 8, we see ourselves reflected back. He reveals what our state was like before Jesus found us. And if we struggle to sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that found a wretch like me with the same wonder and urgency that we used to have 17 years ago, then look again at Matthew 8. And then may that song be a song we sing for the rest of our lives. Let me pray.
Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the majesty, the, the beauty, the attractiveness of Jesus. We thank you that he is the kind of king who is drawn towards brokenness, drawn to the outsider. We thank you that he is willing, in fact, so willing that he went to the cross to make those who are unclean clean, to bring the outsider in. Father, help us to rejoice in King Jesus today, to think much of his amazing grace that saves wretches like us. And Father, please keep us trusting in him till that day when he returns and the longings of Isaiah and the previews of Matthew are fulfilled finally and fully in the kingdoms of the heaven brought down to earth in the new creation. Father, we thank you for all that we have in Jesus and we praise you for him today. Amen.